we uh, see in that very, very first scene then that the idyllic and perfect childhood of Cinderella, or Ella, as she's really called, is interrupted by the sudden death of her mum. And you see in that last scene, obviously, that her mum says, be kind, be courageous, there is great power in kindness. And we all live in this world, don't we, where kindness is often seen as as weakness, that we live in a world of dog-eat-dog, kind of, you get what you deserve, you've got to climb your way to the top. We live in a world where actually people are not very kind to one another. Many of you would experience being in, I don't know, at work and in at school or at college, and, and, and as soon as the person leaves the room, you know, you're having a conversation and that person leaves the room, People gossip about that person, or they're critical about that person, or they point out the faults of that person. And kindness can easily be overlooked. And we could even think that in, as being a believer in the world, that we've somehow got to be uh, persuasive and, and uh, win people through argument. But actually the Bible says in Romans 2.4 that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance means to change our mind. That it's wonderful in that movie, it's illustrating a biblical principle that kindness is hugely powerful. That God, in being kind to us, in being friendly to us, in being generous to us, in being kind, causes us to change our mind. That actually he woos us and wins us through kindness. That actually repentance happens through an encounter with kindness. That God is kind. And it's wonderful how this movie reflects an attribute of God in that scene. And so do you know his kindness? Have you met his kindness? Because his kindness is powerful. His kindness causes us to repent. His kindness causes us to change our minds. So I just encourage everyone to be pursuing a revelation of the kindness of God. He's not cruel. He's not harsh. He doesn't motivate through accusation or frustration. He always motivates us to change through kindness. And we're going to learn later on that, in the sense, in this opening scene, we see that Ella is a kind girl and becomes a kind woman because the kindness of her mum and dad rub off on her and so her heart, her heart culture, her way of seeing the world is kind. And later on we'll be talking about actually how the Holy Spirit causes us to be kind through him rubbing off on us. In the next scene, the, the, the film gets more tragic unfortunately and there's the sudden death of her father. And Ella, who's been living in this wonderful, perfect, idyllic family on this beautiful farm, suddenly finds herself an orphan, suddenly finds herself without parents, without a mum and dad. And then she is sent away to live with uh, really a cruel woman and two awful, awful step-sisters. And she becomes really a victim of huge cruelty. So this kindness suddenly is hugely put to the test where she lives in this world of isolation 
and, and, and cruelty. So in this next clip, we're going to see her as things get a little worse for Ella because the financial situation of the family she's now living with becomes really in crisis. So suddenly Ella becomes not just somebody who's brought into a family, she becomes almost a slave and a servant. So you can see this journey she goes on from idyllic family to sudden loss to having a stepmother and two stepsisters to then going even lower and becoming literally the servant in the whole family. And it's interesting in the scene we've just seen that uh, what the sisters attempt to do is make her feel covered with shame. They've taken her to be a servant, and really a slave, someone who's not welcome, who is made to feel unworthy to belong. And it's important to notice there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt will say, I've done something wrong. Shame will say, you are something wrong. There's something inherently wrong with you. So they change her name and say, you're no longer Ella, you're Cinderella. In other words, you're now the maid of the ashes. You, you are now the maid of the ashes. You are the lowest of the low in this family. We don't even see you worthy to eat with us. You're not even worthy to have a meal that you've prepared. I think what you notice in this film, and later on the wicked stepmother says it, it, it didn't matter how cruel I was to you, you always remained good. Um, we're not going to see that clip this morning, but the wicked stepmother gets into a rage because Cinderella refuses to return to return insult for insult, but whatever they throw at her, she still remains kind. And kindness isn't a work that we work up for God. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians says that one of the fruit, one of the characteristics of God is that he is kind. And when we've been around Holy Spirit and he changes us. Now some people are more naturally kind than others. But actually we all supernaturally can become kind people. That we all can supernaturally have God rub off on us. That we don't have to exchange blow for blow. To have the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in effect that you and I taste like Jesus. That when people, as it were, take a bite out of us, that we actually taste like God. And that's possible because of the power of the new birth. It's possible because of the reality of a new creation. It's possible because God gives us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. And it's like we're witnessing with, with Cinderella. It's like her, her whole internal being is kind. Kindness isn't something she's trying to be, it's something that she is. And I just think that's incredible to, to see that God can give us that kind of strength, that kind of courage and that kind of resilience that whatever we're facing in life, it's not that we become doormats, but actually we can have a quiet dignity inside us because God is rubbing off on us and God is causing us to become more like him. And that when people taste us, they taste the kindness of God. Because he 
has worked on us. So the fruit of the Spirit isn't like a January the 1st uh, thing that you decide you're going to be more kind this year. Kindness comes as God literally rubs off on us. As we experience his kindness and his kindness causes us to change our mind, we become those who taste like God. I want to say as well that in the gospel, he breaks off the power of shame. That, that shame in that scene is where Cinderella is told, you're the maid of the ashes, you're the lowest of the low, you're lower than even the dirt in the grate. But she knows she has another identity. She knows what her mum and dad have called her. She knows that her mum said to her, you've got more kindness in your little finger than most people have in their whole bodies. She knows who she is. And so even when shame will say to us, you are not worthy, you are not good enough, you do not belong, there's another voice, the voice of God that says, no, you do, you do. And the very core of your identity is you are beloved, you are accepted, you are a son and daughter, your identity is included, your identity is that you are a co-heir with Christ. And I think that's the power of identity, that when we know who we are, when we know who we are called, whatever people say about us and call us, we have another identity. We have another identity. No, I'm actually the beloved. That You can call me Cinderella, as it were, but actually who I truly am, my true identity, is I'm accepted. In the last clip we're going to watch which is probably the most powerful clip. There's a whole load of stuff that's happened in the story. There's the invitation by the prince to go to the palace. There's the encounter she has with the fairy godmother who transforms her outward identity to match her inward one. There's a whole talk you could have on that. She's gone to the palace. She's danced with the prince. And now the prince is looking to find the princess and discover who it was he danced with at the ball. She escapes the cruelty and the oppression and the servitude and slavery and the shaming of that family. But it would have been possible for Ella, Cinderella, to leave all of that and go to the palace and still be a prisoner. You see, she could, she could be rescued and loved and taken out of all of that, but without those words at the end, I forgive you, she just goes from being a captive with no power and no choices to being a prisoner somewhere else. Forgiveness and kindness are powerful because they always result in freedom. While cruelty, selfishness and evil lead to nothing but misery, destruction and captivity. There's illustrations in that scene to some degree or other of the gospel that the great prince of peace, the king of the universe, 
comes to broken humanity to you and me. Made in his image, yet fallen short of his glory. So loved the world, the farmers, that he sent his son, the prince, to come and rescue a broken, enslaved humanity. Someone once says, without one single plea, apart from your blood was shed for me. He sees us at our worst. And yet filled with compassion, mercy, kindness, gentleness and goodness, he makes a way for the broken, the captive, the prisoner, the slave to sin, to leave one place and be brought to the palace. And some of us who are believers, we go from we go from a, a place where our identity was broken and we were shamed and we were lost in sin and we get rescued and brought to the palace, but we bring with us unforgiveness to the palace. And so even though we've been set free from captivity, we remain a prisoner in the palace. Because if Cinderella doesn't in that moment forgive everything that was done to her, everything that had happened to her, she would have taken with her and it would have tainted and spoiled everything. It's a powerful moment when the stepmother whispers in her ear, a false identity as she passes to go to the prince. It's a powerful thing where she won't take that identity on and recognises that it was a lie. It wasn't true. But actually, she knows who she is. And she knows where she's going. And she knows who she's going to meet. When in that scene is a picture of the enemy whispering shame, you're not worthy, you're nothing, that's your identity. The most important thing to do is to walk right past Amen. and recognise that's not who I am. In fact, what's beautiful about this film is that some of the things she has gone through become her testimony for the future. She is Ella, but now she says she's Cinderella. She knows that the pain she's been through, the indignity, the servitude, the shame, that's all going to be redeemed, but she's not going to forget, and it's going to become part of her identity, part of her testimony, in the way that she's going to treat others. And I believe that's what God does. He takes the weapons that were forged against us and some of the identity statements that were made about us and he redeems it and sets us free but those things still are our story and our story is still a way to bring freedom to others. And she says, actually, I'm Cinderella. I've been through something but it didn't crush me. I've been through something but I'm still kind and I'm still good. I've not lost any of that and I'm taking that part of the journey into this new part and it's going to be redeemed and it won't weigh me down in bitterness. I'll take the redemptive part into the palace 
but I won't take the bitterness and I won't take the slavery and I won't take the unforgiveness into the palace. Let's wait on God for a moment or two and believe that for some of us there's decisions to make because you know that you are now a child of the king and you know that you are deeply loved by the Prince of Peace but you've taken into the palace memories that haven't been redeemed that, that even right now there's people that you just need to forgive and let go you see you notice in the clip in the, in the offering of forgiveness offering forgiveness did not mean that the stepmother had any power or any control over her decisions forgiveness was about her heart her decision it was about what she was letting go of in forgiving, she wasn't saying to the stepmother, I'm now inviting you to control. She's very clear, you've never been a mother to me. That's not who you are in my life. But yet I'm forgiving you for what you have done. She's not inviting her to control her future. She's saying, I am not going to carry that in my heart to the palace. So just in a few moments, maybe you know, actually people I just need to forgive. George Meyer says that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to kill someone else. And actually, unforgiveness will torment you, torture you, and cause you to be, even in the palace, living as a servant full of shackles and being bound. So let's just spend a few moments, just if there's people you know, you just need to choose before God, I make the decision to forgive. I'm making a decision today to, to even picture that last scene in my head and picture them as I choose to forgive you.